Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That is with the latest WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back once again we are two weeks out from wwe backlash but there is plenty going on in the world of wwe and we're going to break it all down for you right now on this episode we have a jam-packed show for you so we are not going to waste any time off the top allow the silver king to remind you first that this podcast is all about defy so please folks stop being marks for yourselves and Go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. For vintage Chris Vanini, head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple. Take a little extra time. Leave a five-star written review. And if you do, we will read it live right here on the show, just like I'm going to now for D. Holly. Love the show, exclamation point, five stars. I'm a U.S. service member in South Korea, So the time change makes it hard to watch Raw, SmackDown, and NXT every week. So when the guys break down every moment so I can catch up, along with some great conversations, predictions, etc., I love it. They bring up things I never even think of. I always play the show while I run, and I end up running the whole hour because I'm that into the show. Thanks for the awesome podcast, gents. Hey, D. Holly, thanks for the awesome review. We greatly appreciate you and your service, and not only that. Acknowledge. Acknowledge. Big acknowledgement right there. Acknowledge. Yeah, wow. That's awesome to hear. We appreciate all these reviews, obviously, but but to get one like that, South Korea, you know, we made the comment we didn't know where the international reviews were coming for sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, active service member. Uh, that's great. We really appreciate that. And it's also, you know, a reason why we do these podcasts like we do where we go over everything mm-hmm. because there is a lot to talk about, not just the top same couple of things you hear everywhere else. So uh, really appreciate that comment. Yeah, look, any show can give you 30, 40 minutes on a singular or maybe two or three topics from the week in WWE. They put on five hours of programming. The least we can do is give you a 90 minute breakdown every single week on the subject of acknowledgements. Let me also remind you, you can become an official getting overhead by going to buymeacoffee.com slash getting over, become a member and get a ton of extras here with getting over. The price is so right. I happen to love the number five. You get exclusive audio, you get news posts and anyone who already joins us over there knows the news is accurate. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. I want to say thank you and acknowledge our two newest getting overheads, Rob T., and Dustin P. Rob didn't leave a message. Dustin did. He said, you guys are the bloodline storyline of wrestling podcasts. P.S. Has anyone ever told the Silver King he sounds exactly like Kevin Owens? Chris, I don't think I sound like Kevin Owens. Do you? Mm. No, you, you have a similar cadence. Okay. But you don't have the you don't have the Canadian, the French Canadian. Right. Exactly. I mean, I have the sarcasm, I think, of him. And if you saw us next to each other, we do look similarly but I don't think I sound, I'm not, I'm not out here saying A or, you know, any of the things that uh, Canadians say. He has that thick French-Canadian accent that pokes through certain times. And certainly as a New Yorker and Floridian, I don't have that. But nevertheless, Dustin P., Rob T., we acknowledge you. Acknowledge. Acknowledge. Big acknowledgement acknowledge. right there. Acknowledge. 
Now, folks, vintage Chris Vanini, he is on the road. He is in a time crunch. So he's only going to be joining us for the main event of today's show, which means we need to get right into it. It's a two-part main event. We're going to discuss it momentarily. But first, we got to start, as we always do, by sliding into the main event. This is the main event. Now, this two-part main event is going to cover a huge announcement from Triple H on Raw Monday night. The second part is going to be our WWE mock draft ahead of WWE's first draft since 2021. Chris, like I said, I know you're in a time crunch. Let's just get right to it. We're going to kick things off with Triple H, who had an announcement that, quote, will rock the foundation of WWE. They promoted this shortly before Raw began and then said that phrase about five or six different times during Raw itself. Triple H opened hour two to make the announcement after his full entrance. He started talking about Roman Reigns as a dominant, undisputed WWE Universal Champion who's about to hit the 1,000-day mark on his title reign. Triple H put him over as beating nearly everyone, saying Reigns smartly negotiated a contract where he didn't have to defend the championship frequently. And while that was great for Reigns, it was not great for WWE fans who deserve to see the championship defended more. Then he explained, wherever Reigns gets drafted, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship will go there with him. The other brand will determine a new world heavyweight champion at Night of Champions, Blood Money in the Sand, Saturday, May 27th. Then he unveiled the title, which was based on the classic big gold belt with a big WWE logo and a globe right in the middle, and it also has side plates. And really, that was basically it. The sold-out Chicago crowd seemed into it. They even oohed and odd when it was revealed. Totally different reaction from when I think it was Stephanie McMahon who unveiled the Red Universal Championship all those years ago, I think in 2016. Uh, no further details were provided about how the new champion will be crowned, but clearly they're waiting until after the WWE draft to make all of those announcements. Now, Chris, there's a lot of ways we can attack this. Let's start with the simplest, the look of the title. For me, it's nearly perfect. It harkens back to the past. It has a modern twist. And obviously the WWE logo has to play into it in 2023. They were never going to bring back the classic big gold belt as it is. My biggest issue is probably the globe in the middle, which makes it look a little bit too similar to the Intercontinental Championship. In fact, it seems like the globe might have been the one from the WWE Cruiserweight Championship back in the day. If they do kind of keep this as is, which I assume they will because they just unveiled it, maybe they can revert the Intercontinental Championship back to the classic design, give it the white stripe, a way to differentiate it from this title. But other than that, I think it's damn good. It's super eye-catching. From a design standpoint, if I had to grade it, I'd give it an 8 out of 10. It's a beauty, but it's just not perfect. So when I first saw it, my first reaction was, eh, because it looked really poor, I think, on the broadcast at first. Mm -hmm. The angle, the lighting, it kind of looked ugly at, at first. But as you looked at it straight on, as you kind of stare at it some more, I come around to, to like it more. Let, let me start off by first acknowledging the sheer coincidence 
of the reveal of this belt mm-hmm. on the same day that Aaron Rodgers was traded from <laughs> uh, the, 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 the Packers to the Jets because Aaron Rodgers holding the old big gold belt while he accepted the Super Bowl trophy mm-hmm. is the reason WWE gave us the big W belt mm-hmm. because no one associated that belt with WWE. They, st- they started construction on that belt like two or three months, five months after that Super Bowl because mm-hmm. of that. That is 1,000% so, correct. Co- to- total coincidence there. As I look at this, we'll get into the other stuff around the other titles. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, I really had come around on the big W belts. And I kind of think I like it more than than this one. I love the big gold belt. I have a toy replica of it behind me in my room mm-hmm. But the the WWE logo, the globe is so big that it doesn't feel like the big gold belt. It feels like a U, an old UFC belt when they mm-hmm. had that design. Uh, so that's kind of what I come with. My, my, you, you said what, eight out of 10? Yeah. I'm going to say, uh, I'll say seven out of 10. Uh, Close to a 6.5, but I'll say a 7 out of 10. I got to see it some more. I do think this will grow on me. The Intercontinental title I knew was not going to, and it has not. <laughs> it sucks. I do think that this I hate, one will Hold on. 30-second timeout. 30-second timeout. I hate that title so much. I just... The classic so is so freaking good, and this is so not... It's not bad. Gunther makes it look the best it possibly could, but it is not a yes. good-looking title. No. All right, continue. No. Sorry. <laughs> that, that was it. I that one I I think this I think this will get better the more we see it. I think so too. And the WWE Championship and Universal Championship that design that we have now, I didn't love it when it was initially introduced, and it has grown on me substantially. It's also been around for a really long time at this point, and I do prefer it to this. I know there's a lot of people who hate it. And like, oh, it's just marketing and promotion for WWE. So what? You know, the whole point is when someone's carrying that title and you see it now after every Super Bowl, national championship, NBA finals, whatever the case, they carry the title. You know, it's the WWE championship. That's exactly what they should do. I also think the way the jewels are on it, they're really big jewels. Uh, They Mm -hmm. shine really nice in the light. And it's just an eye catching title. The black, of course, the WWE championship is better than the navy blue which is way, way, way better than the red Universal Championship that was initially introduced. But I do have that a little bit higher. I probably give that an 8.5 out of 10, where this is an 8 out of 10. But I, like you just said, we've seen it one time in an imperfect situation. The only really high quality photos online are of the replica they're selling on WWE Shop. So right now, I'm very optimistic, and I do think it's going to grow on me, especially when someone is actually holding it and you get to see how a person looks carrying that championship. And I think that will make them look like a real big time world champion. Yes. If you have, if you put the two champions next to each other, one has the one big W belt, one has this belt. I think they will look and feel almost of equal value. I agree. Exactly. Um, They, they don't right now. We'll get into that in a second. Right. But, but I, 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 again, I do think, even if you don't love this, I do think it can. It, it's going to get better. It will. And again, I would change the Intercontinental title because it does have a similar look and feel to this, even if it's obviously not exactly the same. 
Agree. And also we hate it. So <laughs> there's a double reason to do it. Okay, so that's the design. That's out of the way, Chris. Let's get to the announcement itself. Triple H's explanation for me was largely on point. Reigns has been a dominant champion, yes, but the real crux of the issue, and this is what he spent the most time on, is Roman's real-life contract where he does not appear consistently, and therefore the title is defended infrequently. I bought that just fine because Triple H put Roman over as smart for getting that contract, which got heat on Reigns. I kind of wish he said Paul Heyman helped him get it. Minor point. He also said that the change was coming for the fans. But prior to that, he did make a misstep, and that was this line. Quote, he has defended the championship against everybody, a who's who of superstars. I can't name too many who would be able to hang in this ring with Roman Reigns. He's that damn good. To me, that came across as Triple H saying, hey, Reigns is too dominant, so we had to create another title to give other people a shot. If I had to bet, I would guess Triple H didn't mean it to come across that way, but that is how that line sounded. The reality is Reigns has not defeated everyone, not Seth Rollins or Bobby Lashley or Gunther or Shinsuke Nakamura. I could go on. Ideally, Triple H should have just left that line out, talked about the draft, Reigns not being on TV, not defending the title, because once he announced the title and talked about crowning a champion the fans could respect, one who was going to fight constantly, all of that played right back into the purpose of the announcement the way he started it. Without that line in the middle, this might have been like a 9 out of 10 announcement, but with it, I can kind of only go around 7.5 or 8 out of 10 because he gave ammunition to people who want to say, oh, WWE, they refuse to take the title off Reigns. He's so dominant that they had to create another championship. That's really not the kayfabe purpose of this based on what he explained. But because he put that line in there, he gave everyone that out of a criticism, basically. Yes, I understand referencing Roman, but they leaned so heavily into uh, Roman's just too darn good, man. So we got to make something well, else that what I'm saying is they didn't do that. Belt feel not as important. What I'm saying is they didn't they didn't lean too heavily into that. They just said it. They did. They talked. Yeah, they said one like, line about it. For a th- no, but but even saying stuff like he's been champion for a thousand days. Yes, almost. That's they, incredible. they did lean into the dominance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so it, 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 they, it really made this feel like almost like a secondary title because of the way they leaned so heavily into Roman. But my bigger issue is not the announcement. And I maybe this is the place to talk about it. But if this was the plan, mm-hmm. Roman, as as undisputed champion, should have one belt. Because now it feels like Roman has two of them, mm-hmm. so we got to make a third. If Roman had come out after beating Cody at WrestleMania... And 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 w, Triple H, whoever just said we're, we're the title has been officially undisputed uh, and unified for four hundred days. One title belt yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Yes, and then a couple weeks later, you add a second belt. That would make it feel like they were on the same level potentially. But the fact that Roman is hogging two belts makes it feels like ah, we had to do this because just Roman's just too darn good, and that devalues the value of what you want this championship to be. I don't understand why Roman still has two belts. If you're making yet another belt, 
So kayfabe or reality, which answer do you want? Because I can give you the reality reason why he has both. Both, both. All right. Well, the reality reason is because it looks good. I mean, it's as simple as that. He's undisputed champion. He's won both. He's been dominant. To have him now carry one title when he's been carrying two for 386 days, I think it is, at the time of us taping this podcast, uh, it doesn't look as good as him holding one. So I don't have an issue with him continuing to carry two. The kayfabe reason is because he still is continuing the lineage of both titles. And that is something we're going to get into a little bit later. I want to wrap up talking about the lineage because that is something I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. But that's the kayfabe reason. Because if you merge both, well, you're not going to merge into the Universal Championship because you have the WWE Championship lineage that you have to keep. And you can't move uh, merge the Universal into the WWE because then you'd have a lineage that had two simultaneous champions. It'd have, it'd have like a almost like a Marvel and, multiverse type of situation coming out of it. And you can't have that. And, and the and the universal reign is the longer one. That's the thing. The universal reign is the longer one. So that's the kayfabe reason. And the reality reason also is just because it looks good. Him carrying two titles on his broad shoulders, Paul Heyman holding one, him holding one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great look. So you can't really get rid of that. But what you're talking about more is the concept and execution of the entire thing. Let's start by remembering here. None of this happens. We are not in this situation without WWE, and I really say Vince McMahon's, ill-fated decision to crown an undisputed champion 13 months ago at WrestleMania 38. As soon as that decision was made, WWE put its collective back against the wall creatively. And we have been talking about this, Chris, for 13 months. I think we've been talking about it for 15 months since the match was announced in the first place. Since since day one. Since day, yeah, since day one. Since January, when Roman Reigns got COVID and they decided to have Brock Lesnar take the title off Big E in that fatal five-way, then go back and forth with Bobby Lashley, they had a chance to take it off of him and still do Reigns and Lesnar, and it would have been fine. But then they put it back on him uh, on a Raw, I think it was, or maybe it was another pay-per-view, I forget. Mm-hmm. And then we wound up with... Uh, it wasn't the greatest wrestling match of all time. I forgot the biggest WrestleMania main event of all time, whatever the hell they called it at the time. The yeah, stupendous. The chair. It, 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 yeah, it's the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Okay, I was pretty close to that. But as soon as they made that decision, Chris, they put their back against the wall creatively, and no matter what they did, they were screwed. Even if the titles had changed hands, if Cody Rhodes won at WrestleMania, or Sami Zayn, I know some people still wish he won at Elimination Chamber, the titles still would have had to have been unified. WWE had to figure out a way to create another title no matter what because you can't have Cody looking like a dork and just saying, oh, I won both. I'm just going to give back the Universal Championship. It doesn't really make sense. And I do believe this is probably the best they could have done from an explanation standpoint. The, like I said, idea of Cody winning both and vacating one was weak at best. And I think it's kind of hysterical that fans have clamored online for months now. You know, we all fantasy book what WWE is going to do. How are they going to introduce a new title? So many people said they should bring back the winged eagle or the big gold belt. And that's exactly what WWE's done. And now there's a subsection of fans that are angry about it for some reason. I also see people, and you kind of just said this. This is going back to what you were saying, saying the winner won't feel like a real champion. To me, that's total bullshit, okay? Will they be a secondary world champion to Reigns? Sure. But that has always been the case whenever there's two world titles. They've never been equal. 
there's always one guy who, if both titles are on a pay-per-view, is in the main event. He's the main champion of the brand, whether it's Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or whoever. And then there's the other guy who also holds a world championship. It's always been that way. It has never, ever been equal. And anyone saying otherwise that both champions have been equal stature, sure, maybe there was like a two-month period where a couple people happened to hold the titles and they were booked equally. But historically in WWE, when there's been two world championships, that's always been the case. So I just personally don't understand the pessimism by a subsection of the fan base here, particularly those who claim the title explanation like you kind of said, is being done because Reigns is unbeatable. When again, Triple H spent two thirds of that promo talking about how he wants a workhorse champion who's going to defend the title. That's why I'm so bothered that he gave that crumb. He gave that line because if he just left that one line out, I think it would have been received a lot better and people would still say it's a secondary world title, whatever. That's always been the case. That's really what I'm trying to get across. Do you remember how how the World Heavyweight Championship first came back into WWE? I believe it was awarded. Wasn't it just awarded to Triple H? It was. Eric Bischoff came out and just gave it to Triple H. <laughs> yeah. And then and then and then Ric Flair. I think it was Ric Flair or Undertaker came out and basically challenged him for it. And then at some point, Triple H won it. So it, Triple H was a heel at the time. But, mm-hmm. but So, yes, it, it, it was awarded, but he won it. Was that around and, the and time it, where, like, he got drafted to one show but forced his way back onto the other brand? I wasn't fully in, I wasn't fully engaged. Me, at that me time. neither. But, but that was the time I, where I, I was kind of I off. say that yeah. to say, I say that to say the reason, you know, when they first did the brand split 20 years ago, the champion was on both shows. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they said, you know what? We need a champion for SmackDown and a champion for Raw. And if Triple H had just leaned into saying uh, Roman Reigns, when he is drafted, he will be on one show because of that. We need a champion for the other show. And here's the belt for that show. I I think if you had done that instead of being like Roman Reigns is just too darn good. Nobody can beat him. We got to come up with another belt. I feel like it really would have made a difference in the perception of this belt. But here's what I keep saying. You keep saying like Roman Reigns is too good. We have to come up with another belt. He didn't say that. He just said he, um, he said Roman Reigns is great. He's had a really long title reign. He said the problem is he made it very clear. He said the problem is his contract where he doesn't defend the title consistently and we need a champion yes, who's a but, workhorse. But but you know who also had that? Brock Lesnar was a part-time champion. Yeah. He didn't show up very often and yeah. he was the champ. But but yeah, he didn't. But he didn't have the belt for a thousand days, which is why Triple H would be like, "Well, this is different because he's had it for a thousand that's, days." See, that's what I'm he's saying. If, seen this before. if they didn't give that crumb, then everything else Triple H said is what you and I wanted him to say. Okay, the other brand needs a champion. We need someone who's going to defend I, the yes. title consistently. We want a workhorse, so on and so forth. He he laid out he, all of the points we wanted him to lay he out. Did it's just that he also included Roman Reigns as dominant and has beaten nearly everybody. It, well, because the order in which he said it, he started off by talking about how great Roman was he did, and right. then said, exactly. and then said Roman will only be on one show. Exactly. If he had started with by saying Roman will only be on one show, he's great. We need another, we need another champion for the other show. Here's the belt. I think if you had flipped that, mm-hmm. it would have come across differently. Yeah. I think it, we're saying it, pretty it, much the same thing for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And okay, one last hypothetical here. Sure. The idea that Cody wins both belts at WrestleMania 
and just gives one up was always going to be ridiculous. Right. However, what if he had won both and retired the Universal Championship and it ended with Roman's record reign? Cody says, this is the belt I've always wanted. The Universal Championship is going to go away. And, and then subsequently, and then, and then like a couple weeks later, uh, they announce the draft and then say, we need a champion for the other show. And here's a belt for the other show. Better. Would, would, that, would, would that have been okay? Better than him relinquishing it and someone else like immediately being crowned in a tournament. Better than that for mm-hmm. sure. I would say no better than what they're currently doing. I, I, I think it's because, very similar. Yeah. They're introducing a new title. It's kind of the same concept. I say that because the universal title is the reason things are a little bit wonky because that is the longer reign and it'd right. be a lot easier to just say Roman is the undisputed WWE champion. Sure. But in your and, scenario, and, Cody's and the champion, but we, but we have, <laughs> but we have to keep the universal championship going. So at this point, do we think the universal title will end with Roman? Whoever beats Roman at some point, are they going to continue to walk around with two belts no. or are they just going to go back to being WWE champion? Okay, so I was going to move to talking about the inaugural champion, but let's talk about the lineage because you bring that up and I think it's more important to talk about that first before we talk about who's going to be the inaugural World Heavyweight Champion. My guess and thought process with the entire thing, okay, is as follows. Let's start with the World Heavyweight Championship. I think they're going to restart the lineage that ended in 2013 when Randy Orton beat John Cena, I think it was, in a TLC match. Yes. To get both he, titles. He unified them, yes. So yes. I think I think they're going to restart the lineage of the same of, belt. Of that, of that World Heavyweight Championship. Of that World Heavyweight Championship. They're going to restart okay. it 10 years later in 2023. I didn't even think of that. It actually works to do it that way. But to your end, WWE must ensure the number one priority with all of these titles is that the WWE Championship lineage is not broken and does not end. Because as we've talked about here, Roman's near 1,000-day reign is with the Universal title. He only has about 400 days with the WWE title. What I would do is keep both title reigns active and separate until someone beats Roman. Let's say that person is Cody Rhodes. That person then unifies the universal into the WWE championship. He becomes the final universal champion and continues the WWE championship lineage. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly what I was suggesting happened. I would keep both alive until Roman gets defeated. Basically. Yes. That, that, that was, that was largely my point is, is, is when Roman loses, is that going to be the end of the universal title now? Because we have this other title. Yes. Yes, I do. think. I think it has. And I think it has to be because you can't have three different world champions or, Cody defending you it two belts for everybody is going to be a pain in the butt now that said it's a a mouth now that said they may call the wwe title the wwe universal championship to differentiate it from the wwe world heavyweight championship but at that point it's isn't aren't you just continuing the universal no no because they've changed um the names of titles during lineages for a long time it's happened with tag team titles World have you uh, the the world tag team title, I think, became the SmackDown tag team title at one point. Um, you had the undisputed WWE championship when Chris Jericho merged them. They changed the name of it. So that's, you, you can change yeah, the name. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one I would have gone back to the undisputed. Like 
periodically just have like undisputed champion be a thing that pops up from time to time. Right. When, when Randy Orton unified the belts in 2013, he should have, that should have gone, that should have jumpstarted back the lineage of the undisputed title. And, and that continued well, until they added the universal and then they added the universal title and then you're not undisputed anymore. Exactly. Right. And then, and then Roman brought it back. So it's like, it stops, it starts, it stops, it starts. Cause I think undisputed champion is the, coolest sounding name of all of these it is like just yeah i'm the undisputed champion like literally you cannot dispute it i am the but best. that's like, the problem it's right there let's say cody wins these titles he's not undisputed because there's a world heavyweight champion he's not well and that's the other thing is roman going to be considered that now is paul Heyman going to call him the undisputed paul Heyman. paul Heyman will call him that but paul Heyman always called brock lesnar the undisputed even though he wasn't because there was another title well well, for a period he was. He had both belts. He won both belts from from uh, from uh, who was it? Cena? Who did he? He he had both belts one time as well. He and did? he, I think he's the one who unified them into the single belt. That's when the world heavyweight went away. No, no that does not sound familiar to me at all. Cena, had. yeah, because there's a picture of Brock holding up both belts, but I think that's before. Oh, that's what the big gold belt you're talking about. Belt. Yeah, the big goal. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about I'm talking about in the most recent like Lesnar and Heyman championship r- reign of terror yeah. that, that he had. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, technically, I'm just saying Roman technically is not the undisputed champion anymore. Once and the new champion is crowned, he is technically no longer undisputed. Yeah. He yeah. shouldn't be called that, but he will be. But that's we're getting really technical Probably. on that now. Let's wrap up this conversation, Chris, with our thoughts on who should be the inaugural champion. Okay. For me, there are only four options. I'm trying to think through my brain really quick. If there's more, I think there's only four. Uh, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Gunther, and Bobby Lashley. I don't see Gunther dropping the IC title yet, so he's out. Lashley, due to his size and his pedigree, he would bring immediate legitimacy to the title from a visual standpoint and from a combat sports background standpoint. But what I would absolutely love to see WWE do is run back the universal title booking with Rollins and Balor battling at the conclusion of a tournament to become the inaugural champion, except this time Rollins wins. Another title reign for him has been long, long overdue, and we do not need another heel with the title. Rollins is absolutely the most deserving he would be the best exemplification of it being a world title that is constantly defended by a workhorse. His promo on Raw Monday night was the most substantive about the title and why he should be mm-hmm. that first champion. But Chris, more than who does become champion, what's most important to me is who does not become the first world heavyweight champion. And that is Cody Rhodes. Because th- there is absolutely... No effing way Cody should win this title. His entire goal is the WWE championship. That needs to remain his goal. He should be the one to dethrone Reigns whenever that eventually happens. Leave this to the other guys. I am terrified Vince is going to make some decision that Cody needs to be a top guy with a belt <laughs> in face of the company with a belt. And they're going to say Cody wins it now. That is going to ruin everything. I know that I know. they have built. I, I I do think it is possible. I am terrified that it is going to happen. It absolutely should not happen. Cody Rhodes should not win this title. 
you know what you could do? Hmm. Have him in the final of the tournament, perhaps, and lose it. Yeah, or something like that. Like, sure, do do like that'd be a great way to play with our emotions. Hey, by the know? way, like, Cody so, Rhodes, Seth Rollins, four, and Rollins finally yep. wins. Yes, but do not have Cody win this um, for for that reason. To me, it's clear far and away Seth is going to win this. I hope the only the only other person I thought could or should outside of the context of where things are at right now is Drew McIntyre, mm-hmm. who is another face of the company, baby face guy, didn't win the WWE title in front of fans and never really got that moment back. He mm-hmm. lost to he lost to Bobby Lashley to open them uh open mania one year. And so he he never won his title in front of fans. And I still feel like he should get that. However, he is banged up right now. His contract is six or seven months out reportedly I think nine maybe um, who maybe knows where, even more who, yeah. yeah who knows where things are at with that but when, I, when when this came out i was six with my brother i said it's got to be it cannot be cody first of all right and second of all either seth or drew mcintyre to me the, to me those are the only two options there are three people that cannot be and cody is the most obvious that it cannot be but it can, i don't even want to put this out in the universe dude i really don't it cannot be brock lesnar Okay. No. And it cannot be Austin Theory. No. Outside of those three, I mean, it could be. If, you want to tell me it's LA Knight? Fine. Sheamus? Okay. A returning Big E, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, I mentioned. I mean, John Cena, and he go part. Let's go. Yeah, let, let, let's have Let's add another belt because we have a part time <laughs> champ and we give it to another part timer like Brock Lesnar. Hell, they could give it to Rey Mysterio, <laughs> like, you know, Shinsuke, AJ yeah, Styles yeah, returning. Yeah. There are tons of people I'd be okay with winning this title. Not Cody Rhodes, not Brock Lesnar, not Austin Theory. Other than that, I don't think that they can go wrong. So, how, so I guess we can talk about that. How do we think it's going to happen? Yeah, it's a good we question. We really have details i think they're going to do a tournament and i think there's two reasons why wwe changed this premium live event don't forget this was supposed to be king and queen of the ring okay um i think there's two reasons why they changed the name one roman reigns is going to be in a big signature match in the main event the night of champions show this uh blood money in the sand premium live event is literally on the 1000th day of his reign so he'll defend the title in the main event he'll retain and they'll do a big 1,000-day championship celebration for him in Saudi. So that's guaranteed. On the other hand, the other reason why I think they went away from King and Queen of the Ring is because they're going to do a tournament for this title. And I guess, theoretically, they could have still called it King of the Ring and then just made the winner the champion and kind of infused it together. Yeah, But it makes I mean, more you've, sense you've for Royal, me. You've had Royal Rumbles determine the champion, so it wouldn't be unprecedented to say King of the Ring is the champion. And... Perhaps they do that, right? Um, but even if they don't, the fact that they're still going to do a men's tournament, except in this case, it's going to actually crown the champion. They'll probably call it, you know, the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament, whatever the case. I think it'll be, you know, it's going to be brand specific, right? So I have to make the assumption that Reigns remains on SmackDown. I cannot imagine they move him over to Raw. Um, so if he remains on SmackDown, again, we don't know who's going to be on the Raw roster. But if Raw does keep, you know, Seth Rollins and they bring Gunther over or they bring Drew McIntyre and Sheamus over, uh, Finn Balor stays on the brand. 
it's tough to say who's going to be in the tournament because we don't know what the rosters are going to look like. That's going to be determined this coming Friday and this coming Monday. And we're about to mock that up momentarily here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Uh, but I do think it'll be a tournament. I would guess, like, given it's a short window, it's like a three, maybe four-week turnaround, eight men. I can't imagine it being more than that. I'll tell you what I would love. is like a 12-person tournament with four getting buys. Yeah. People like Seth Rollins yeah. getting a buy, you know, into the second round. But, yeah, that's what I think, a tournament. I would love a 16-team, a 16-person tournament. You just start it on Raw and SmackDown. And no, no. you get to the it's, final. Again, brand-specific. Right. Well, it's only going to be the championship for one brand because Roman's going to be on the other. So it's only going to be contested right, but, by people on the but other. We're brand. doing the draft first, so we don't know who's going to win it. We don't know from what brand it's going to happen. Right. So what what they explained was once Roman Reigns whoever gets drafted, wins is, whoever wins is going to be placed on a, another. No, no, show. no, 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 Will no. They no. have already been drafted to that show. No, that's not what they said. What they said is once Reigns gets placed, then the tor- the title, the tournament, whatever, is going to be the other brand. The champion will come from the so, other brand. Okay, so we think Roman gets drafted to SmackDown this week, and then it's instantly whoever gets drafted to Raw, they are the only people involved. That's in what I believe based on what Triple H said. Do I know that to be a fact? Yeah. No, but that's what I'm guessing based okay. on what he said. Yeah, that makes sense too. I, I, I It would make sense to do a, a tournament. I still think you could, like you, like you said, 12, maybe 16. You've got to a few weeks do it on tv really build this up Make 16 this would feel be like incredible. a giant thing by doing a big tournament and not just oh on the pay-per-view we'll have a three or four or five matches depending on how many people are in it so that is something you can do well don't I, forget I, i'll also say on to your point well hold yeah. on to, hold on to your point you don't have to just have one match on night of champions you should have three both right. semifinals and the finals should yes. all be on that show which yes. means if you have three weeks of TV, then you definitely could do a 12 or 16 person tournament. But yes, I just hope they do. It would be so great, man, if we legitimately got like a, a 16 man tournament and like Chad Gable goes deep into the mm-hmm. second round and, you know, like mm-hmm. shocks and upset someone exactly. and we do stuff like that. That would be really exciting if they did it. I'd love 16 yes. or 12. I'm guessing they'll do eight. And everybody should want to be on this. Have Baron Corbin demanding to be in a match because everybody wants to be in this tournament to, mm-hmm. to be the champion. Like there, there's a real opportunity there that you kind of could have done with King of the Ring anyway, to which I was going to say, I really hope they don't scrap King of the Ring. Like that th- that was something we were really looking forward to for a Chad Gable, for an LA Knight, mm-hmm. for somebody to get a, a, a maybe the number one contender a shot against the new world heavyweight champion or whatever, or against whoever champion it is. So uh, it sounds like they're not doing King of the Ring, Queen of the Ring, because you're going to have so many championship matches on the show, which is fine. I just hope they're not abandoning King of the Ring. I hope we still get that this year. Yeah, uh, me too. I mean, you could possibly do it as a television tournament across both shows with the winners facing or the, uh, the, sem- the finalists, I'm sorry, starting out SummerSlam. And then the winners being in the SummerSlam main event against the champions, one for the men, one for the women. That would be interesting to do. You could do it as instead of doing crown jewel in November, you could do queen and king of the ring or king and queen of the ring. I'm sorry. In November is the next Saudi show. I think that would make that more exciting than just doing a quote unquote crown jewel. I do think there are spots for it. And yes, you know, I'm, I'm as big of a proponent of king and queen of the ring as you are. It really is a mouthful. Um, So I I do agree with you. They need to keep it. And I hope they don't just completely jettison it from their plans. Yeah. So, so biggest things are the belts. Okay. 
A little bit sloppy in the reveal, but there's still a big opportunity here. And obviously it takes some time to build this belt. So there has been a plan in mm-hmm. place somewhat, even if they recently changed the pay-per-view. Uh, I hope that that... Oh, this thing's place. been approved for a while. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously it takes months to yeah. you know, do this do this kind of stuff. So uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I think more than anything, I'm excited that like Triple H said, we will have a fighting champion on TV every week. That was the biggest reason I wanted Cody Rhodes to beat Roman was because, <laughs> right. oh, we were going to have Cody, the championship on TV again, finally. We can move forward because it's such a drag on the show to just not have the champion show up yeah. for two weeks or whatever like that. It really, it just, you don't, you need something to feel really, really important. And this has the opportunity to do that. And I would actually say you're saying cautiously optimistic. I'm straight up optimistic. I, I think it's a good looking belt. It's a good concept of what they're doing. They explained it almost perfectly. There was a flub, you know, one mistake in terms of the conceptualization of the entire thing, but that's one line or, you know, two lines, let's say out of a pretty damn long promo that in every other aspect made good points. And I'll tell you one other thing that's really interesting. And it's also key to the announcement timing of all of this. They're going to crown this champion end of May. That gives them Chris about two, three months to establish the new championship and the new champion before football season begins. And having that world champion on TV every single week. If it's going to matter for ratings at any point for WWE, it's football season. People will think there's still a reason to tune into the show. You can have your occasional, you know, WWE world heavyweight championship match on TV where previously you had zero of that on Monday night raw Mm -hmm. with Roman Reigns as champion. He didn't even show up on the show, let alone defend the title. So it's really, I think going to help with ratings when football comes back as competition not to mention all of the other uses of having another world champion. Cautiously, because I still think there's a pretty decent chance Cody wins this thing. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hope not. Fair enough. Now, Chris, let's move on to the second part of this main event, our mock WWE draft. We always love doing these. It is a painstaking process for us. A lot of preparation goes into it, but I am kind of curious before we get this process started Where is your head at regarding the WWE draft? As we hope, they actually do a break in the roster that's more definitive than it has been in quite some time. Yeah, it's been a while since we had a full-on draft. And as I was putting together my my board, essentially. Mm -hmm. The uh, big board. It feels like there's just a lot of depth on this roster now that we have not Mm -hmm. had before. So, like... Narrowing this down is going to be tough, but I feel like there's a lot of options on the table I'd be happy with. I think there's a good chance we're both happy with our drafts. I hope so. And what I will tell you is Chris and I were discussing like how long to do this draft. And we're like, hey, you know, why don't we just do like five picks? And Chris was like, well, if we do five picks, we're barely going to scratch the surface. I'm like, all right, let's do eight or ten. And then we just kept talking and like figuring out how deep our boards went. And we decided, you know what? What we're about to embark on is an 18 round. WWE mock draft with each of us getting 20 superstars on our rosters based on the rules that I'm about to lay out for you. These are the rules for the getting over WWE mock draft. The women's and mid card champions will remain on their respective brands. One of us between Chris and I will represent raw the other SmackDown, Uh, the world and both tag team champions 
will remain ineligible. That means Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Liv Morgan, and Raquel Rodriguez are not able to be drafted. We just didn't want to have to worry about splitting up teams or one person getting Roman, which really does you know heavily push one roster ahead of another just by virtue of this guy being a nearly 1,000-day champion. Uh, in terms of tag teams, they can stay together or they can be split. However, when it comes to factions and groups, they do not automatically remain together. NXT superstars, other than the champions of that brand, are also eligible. However, not eligible are John Cena, Logan Paul, and Trish Stratus. So Chris, that is where we set moving into this draft. We're going to flip a coin to determine who gets to choose, and it's going to be just like the NFL. Uh, Whoever wins the coin toss gets to choose either their brand or whether they want the first pick of the draft. So let me go ahead, have Google flip the coin for us, and we'll get started. Okay, Chris, you're the co-host here. Make your call. As I do every time I do the coin flip, I'm picking heads. Okay, Google, flip a coin. You got heads. Okay, Chris, Ah. you win the coin toss. Tails never fails for me, but apparently heads works for you. So you get your choice between the number one overall pick or a brand of your choice. This is actually pretty tough whether you want the number one pick or the brand, because the brand comes with champions. Um, It does. And the number one pick doesn't get Roman Reigns. Yes. Well, I I'm going into this assuming like we both kind of get Roman Reigns. We can both. Yeah, we do. Yes, absolutely. We we both get both tag team champions. We both get Roman Reigns. Yeah. yeah. I said, I'm going to go with the number one pick. Okay. So Chris has the number one overall pick. That means I get to choose my brand, and I feel like every time we do these mock drafts, I'm always raw. But beyond that, as you just mentioned, we have to evaluate the champions that we automatically get along with that brand. And I think Bianca Belair is getting stale as women's champion. And when you're comparing Gunther to Austin Theory, there's really no comparison there. Plus, I love Rhea Ripley. So I am drafting on behalf of SmackDown with Ripley and Gunther on my roster. You will be choosing for Raw with Belair and Theory on your roster. Are we ready to get started here? I'm ready. Okay, so we're gonna do snake style draft. Chris is gonna make the number one overall pick. The Silver King is gonna go picks two and three, and then we're gonna go all the way around just like a classic fantasy draft. So Chris, with the number one overall pick in the getting over WWE mock draft, who are you choosing? Wrestling has more than one royal family. Cody Rhodes, the number one pick for Raw. To me, this was a no-brainer. He is face-of-the-company type of guy. Should have won at WrestleMania a couple weeks ago. That's why I, took, that's why I went with the pick, because to me, I looked at everybody on the board, and it felt like, to me, total package. Cody's a clear number one. He's the pick. Sure, and that's the right pick. I definitely would have made the same choice if I was in your shoes, but it does make my next two picks easy, and... Really, I'm only choosing between three people uh, for these two picks. And the first one's easy. I'm going to go ahead and pick Seth Rollins as my first round pick. Uh, Very similar to Cody, of course. I get him back on SmackDown for the first time in a long time. I'm excited about that. And for my second pick, I will choose the greatest tag team in WWE right now, the Usos. Technically, it doesn't mean I get the bloodline. Solo Sokoa is still up in the air. He can be chosen later. But... Having the key linchpins to the Roman Reigns storyline, the other side of it, you have Cody Rhodes. I'm going to go ahead and take the Usos and continue that family drama on my brand. Now up to you for two picks in your second and third round. 
Yeah, as I looked at tag teams, like Usos are clear number one, and then there's a big drop off after that. Mm-hmm. So probably not going to go tag team for a bit. But I'm going to go. We've already got Bianca Belair. I'm going to go Becky Lynch is my number two pick. Got two alpha dogs for the women's division. Mm-hmm. And number three, or my, my third round pick, Brock Lesnar. Interesting. So this, you're going with a part time in that spot. Well, he he's. I, I'm looking at like like people you put on the marquee. Mm-hmm. Cody is that. Becky is that. Bianca's that. And I think Brock is that. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And Becky was, of course, the person I was choosing between the Usos and Becky. But I have a different plan for the women's division. Let's see if I get to execute it. We'll find out. So for my third round pick coming off of your choice of Brock Lesnar, I'm going to go very close to the same type of pick and choose Bobby Lashley, another dominant, uh, big baby face for my brand, someone who Roman Reigns has not fought yet uh, for the universal or undisputed WWE Universal Championship. So I'm going with Lashley as my third round pick. And I need another huge women's wrestler on my brand. I'm going with the person who I honestly thought should be Raw Women's Champion right now. That is Asuka. Hmm. All right. I, it's a good pick. I, I, this, I feel like I have so many like good options here right now. So there are, yeah. The, the, the other one I was... I wouldn't have, I wasn't going to take Bobby last year that I, who I thought about taking over Brock, I will take right now. Fourth round pick, Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Another former champion, another guy you can put on the marquee, uh, top guy type of potential. I'm going to, I'm going to go Ricochet and Braun Strowman, a tag team that also works as singles guys. So the multifaceted pick there, Braun, another former champion and a tag team that I really am enjoying. Uh, So I'm going to go with them. I'll tell you one thing, the way your uh, roster is shaping up right now. There's a lot of beef out here. Stroman, McIntyre, Lesnar, to some degree. Cody's a big dude, too. I mean, he's he's not those guys, Mm -hmm. but he's still pretty big. Okay, Uh, good choices there. Drew McIntyre, you know, if I could go back and do it, I might choose him over Lashley, and perhaps I forgot about him, but I'm very happy with Lashley. He's getting good babyface reactions these days. All right, Mm -hmm. uh, continuing with my fifth round pick, I'm also going to do a two-for-one special here, uh, and they're not going to remain a tag team, at least on my roster, but I'm choosing EO Sky and Dakota Kai, who currently are a hmm. tag team. EO Sky is going to be perhaps my number two women woman on the brand behind Rhea Ripley. Dakota Kai is someone who at any time can challenge for the title and be heavily involved in that picture. I'm going to go ahead and make another really big move, choosing my second member, of the Judgment Day in the sixth round to kick things off. Finn Balor works in the main event division, works in the mid-card division. He needs a change of scenery, and SmackDown is the place for him. So go ahead, your sixth and seventh round picks. Finn's a good pick. Uh, EO and Dakota, it's another one I had a lot lower, but uh, we each have our own plans here. Um, I was thinking about these this as my, my last pick. I'm doing the tag team thing again. Mm-hmm. Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, New Day. We counting that tag team? Um, well, Biggie's injured right now. Usually I would say it's like a Freebird situation where it's kind of difficult to determine who is the tag team in the group. But even though Kofi's injured, Xavier's healthy. When they're both healthy, they're wrestling as a tag team. So I yeah. think it's fair to go ahead and do that, yeah. Okay, I'm doing that. It's another former WWE champion. Xavier Woods is having a great run right now. Had a had an Intercontinental match on SmackDown. 
Um, so New Day, it's my, my sixth round pick. And my seventh round pick, got to go back into the women's division here. I'm going to go with Charlotte Flair. Again, I, I look at the women I have right now, Bianca, Becky, Charlotte, all three of them work together really well. We haven't done Bianca Charlotte yet. Mm-hmm. So again, another big name. I'm going, I'm getting a lot of the big names here. That's kind of what I'm going for. So Charlotte. I think that's fair to say that Charlotte is being drafted here as a seventh round pick, probably two to three rounds too low. Yeah, I, I think that's a part of just what her last year has been, mm-hmm. really. Agreed. She's gone for a long time, came back, won the title, and then lost it, and it's kind of going away again. So a bit out of sight, out of mind. But she's still, you know, 14-time right, fourteen time champion. In my, I, I'm drafting her with the expectation she'll be around a lot more. I just don't want to have to, on my roster, I don't want to have to deal with her and, like, figuring. <laughs> and I, don't mean, I don't mean, like, personality. I mean, like, figuring out how to make her work in my, in my creative, I I don't want to have to worry about, is she, can I try to get her to be a face? Do I have her be a heel, but she's the same heel. She always is. I wanted to focus on in ring quality with the women's division. So Rhea Ripley, Asuka, Io Sky, Dakota Kai. That's why I started that way. Also fresh. It's different matchups, things we haven't really seen before. Uh, That's what I want to go. Now Asuka's fought them, but we're going to get an Asuka, Io Sky one-on-one program on my roster. I promise you that. Okay. Moving to my seventh and eighth round picks. Hey, you left him hanging out there. I know right now he's not cleared to compete, but I think this is an absolute steal for a former WWE champion. My seventh round pick is Big E coming over to SmackDown. Mm. I am being a little bit of a wedge driver. Okay. I didn't start the fire. I'm just kind of, you know, continuing it, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, Big E joining the Silver King on SmackDown. And I need another big time men's tag team on my side. There's no other bigger tag team available right now than the Street Profits, my eighth round pick. Chris, go ahead. Your eighth and ninth round picks. I think Street Profits kind of slipped my mind a little bit. Yeah, they just got underdrafted as well. Agreed. Yeah, Yeah, they did. Um, And Big E, you're drafting him from the Michigan Panthers, I guess. uh, (laughs) Yes. Working as an in-house DJ there. Um, All right. uh, Let's see. All right, no, all right. Another guy who's been on the mend for a bit. Another guy who's a many-time world champion. Another another guy who can be your main event. Randy Orton. Okay. The Viper. I you can put Randy with Cody. You can you could make them a tag team. Bring Legacy back if you want to as well. Randy and Cody is a singles feud. You turn Randy heel, you're all set. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you can do a lot of things with these people. Uh, with these. Um, combinations mm-hmm. uh and then let's go sheamus it's just yeah. I, I i'm I, i'm i'm gathering an identity here big guys former champions sheamus and drew again can be a tag team or can be against each other i've got a lot of versatility and main event marquee appeal randy orton and sheamus my two picks yeah really solid and you're building a nice men's singles division i have some question about the other divisions that you have, but your men's singles division is looking solid. I'm going to beef up my women's division again because, you know, we talked about Charlotte Flair being two or three rounds under drafted. I feel this woman is two or three rounds under drafted as well. I'm going and choosing Bailey with my ninth round yeah. pick, but I am not reuniting damage control. Let me make that crystal freaking <laughs> clear. All right, so I do have all of damage control, but they are not going to be together on the SmackDown roster. I, I was going to say, I would have taken Bailey. I know you and Dakota are two people, but I would have taken Bailey ahead of them. Uh, Eosky, for me, is the greatest women's wrestler in the world. So I'm okay. taking her, and 
she's going to be elevated. And that uh, program, EO and Ripley for me, SummerSlam, uh, maybe Royal Rumble, maybe WrestleMania main event. Uh, that's going to happen. And EO is going to be big on my SmackDown brand. But Bailey's great. Don't get me wrong. All right. Tenth round pick for yours truly. And I kind of feel I'm in a spot here, Chris, where, you know, we're, we're doing a little competition here with this WWE mock draft. I'm going to do you a little bit of a favor here. Uh, I'm going to choose. I have two guys equally rated on my board. I could really go in either direction. But I'm going to go with the guy who I said about a year ago could be a legitimate world champion in WWE. Now, I'm not sure I feel that way anymore, but I am going to be choosing him over a guy who I now believe could be a world champion in WWE in the next one or two years once those titles are split. I'm sticking with my guy, leaving open the door for someone else, perhaps for you to choose. I will pick with the 10th round, Matt Riddle, leaving you your 10th and 11th round picks. Yeah, I can't stick around long, but I'll just say uh, after what kind of what we saw on SmackDown and Raw, I'm not very high on Riddle right now. So why why do you say that? You can have him. It's just it's not clicking for me. He doesn't feel main event for me, and he's been in a couple main events since he came back. And oh, I think he's been pretty great. I don't know. It's not clicking for me. So all right, that's fine. All right, I I, I'm making a pick. I wanted to make a lot higher, but there were too many other world champions on the board. Let me talk to you. The pick I'm making here, my 10th round pick, L.A. Knight. Yeah, I'm so glad he slipped through. I was so worried. I was not going to get him, but I didn't, I didn't want to overdraft him. I, I mean, I did him just him offer him for you on a silver platter, so just You please. did, you okay. did. I'm glad you took a riddle over him. I did you This a is a guy who will be elevated to my main event picture alongside people like Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre. This guy deserves to be at that spot. He's going to get the opportunity on Raw in my group here and that is not an opinion that is just a fact of life my number 11 pick i'm gonna i kind of almost didn't want to take him for a while but he slipped so far that i have to i didn't want to split him up from what you've got i'm going solo sokoa okay so let me get this straight i give you la night on a silver platter and it's clear I'm waiting to take Solo Sokoa later, but you just take you him anyway. You should have taken Solo we are Sokoa now, no, Matt no. Riddle. There are no favors being done. I'm out for blood. Okay, we got what? Six rounds, seven rounds left. I'm out for blood the rest of this way, okay? Because I put him up there for you, and you took him. You you picked Matt Riddle. You had the opportunity here. You yeah, I was going to take LA Knight. I was going to take LA Knight. I wouldn't have taken Sokoa until 12, 13. Rounds. I wasn't going to take Solo too high just because we don't totally know yet him on his own on the main roster. That's part of the reason I didn't pick him right away is because he just didn't fit me. He fit more with what you have because you have the use of It's cool. But Let's just remember that we're 11 rounds into the draft and Chris hates the women's division because he only has two choices that are women. Okay, so let's see who has a more ra- well-rounded roster by the time we get yes. this thing over. All right. So Solo, you know, former North American champion. What what I needed here, what this, the reason I picked him is because I need some youth. We got a very older roster right now. We need some young blood mm-hmm. in there. That's what Solo Sokoa is going to bring. All right. 11th round choice for yours truly. And this is getting difficult. Not because there's a lack of options, but there's so many that are, kind of in the same vein, but I'm going to go ahead and choose the one name remaining. And I don't mean the one name remaining who's above everyone else because there's a few, you know, legends still available in this draft. But I'm choosing the one who I think is on his way back soon. And the one thing we know about him is he's phenomenal. I'm choosing AJ Styles Mm -hmm. as my 11th round pick and coming back 
in the 12th round. I still want to beef up my women's division. I, I believe in the talent on my brand. I'm going to go with a big name and a former big-time performer from NXT, also a tag team who will remain a tag team on my roster, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Some good 2-4-1 action right there. Both can operate for the women's world title, but also operate as a women's tag team. Chris, your 12th and 13th round picks. AJ's a good pick. I just, he was there and I just kind of kept moving past him, not thinking about it because we haven't seen him for a while. When he comes back- Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, that's how it goes. He is a guy, you know, Cody AJ Styles would be a lot of fun. You know, mm-hmm. if if um, that comes up whenever AJ comes back, he's a guy who can be in the main event picture, obviously. All right. Like you just alluded to, I got to get back. I got to get into my women's division now. I'm well, falling by the wayside there, but that's because there were just so many former world champions and talented guys that I wanted to get first. I'm going to go with Carmella, okay. who I think is extremely talented. Hope she can get back into the ring uh, pretty soon. Multi-time champion, Money in the Bank, has accomplished quite a bit. If you look at her resume, and she has steadily just kind of improved throughout. Um, and then I, I'm, and then along with her, I'm picking Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville. Okay. Who obviously this used to be Chelsea and Carmella, but I think Chelsea and Sonia is the tag team right now. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, and Carmella, it's like who knows if she's coming back or when. So yeah. I yeah. Mean, so I, I've really enjoyed what Chelsea and Sonya have done. I, we love Chelsea and Carmella the brief time we got that, but mm-hmm. Sonya as a replacement, like it is working Perfect. for me. Yes. And, and, and they, they're in the women's tag team title picture right now. They can be, they can be a tag team. They can be singles. Uh, I think I just three really talented women there to beef up my women's roster. So by the way, team. there's no reason when Mella comes back that they don't put all three of them together. Carmella can yeah. be the single, they can be the tag team, and you have a women's group. Like, it would work perfectly. I don't know. I would love that. When's yeah. the last time we had a women, I, I guess, damage, damage control? control. <laughs> but, but like, I, you know, else. it would be not very similar else. to, like, Riot Squad and, you know, I forgot yeah. who else we had at that time. Um, but, you know, something like that, I think it would work with those three. And if they wanted to call yeah. themselves the complaint department, they could. And it would really work. Yeah. That's a good yeah. trio. So that's interesting that you have them. I do think that my women's choices are from an in-ring standpoint better, but I do like sure. the gimmick aspect of those three together if you were to do that, although that's mm-hmm. an idea I gave you, so don't take too much credit for it. Um, okay, so we talked about New Day earlier where you took Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston together. Similarly, as part of Judgment Day, I would like to take Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio because they have been a tag team more often mm-hmm. than not, and they were contenders for the tag team titles do you think that's acceptable for my 13th round pick? Yeah, that's fine. We're in the 13th round here. We want to get as many people in as we can. I, I, I Losing Dominic uh, is, is tough, but you've got Rhea. It makes sense. To I have the rest. Of, I have all of Judgment Day. I have Finn Balor also. You, oh, yeah. yes, right. You do have all of Judgment Day. So that that's good. That yeah, that makes sense. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to break it up over a technicality. So no, okay. that, that works. So Judgment Day is now a SmackDown faction. And for my 14th round pick, I'm going to break the barrier and dive into NXT, choosing the top prospect in that brand without a championship as of right now. Roxanne Perez joins the Silver Mm. King over on SmackDown. Chris, we are wrapping things up here. You have five picks left. I have four choices remaining. Your 14th and 15th round picks, please. 
there are a lot of really good people still on the board. It's here, insane. It really is. <laughs> this is why when we were putting together our boards, and this is why we went from five to ten to eighteen picks, just because there's just a lot to choose from. Roxanne Perez is a great pick. I've only seen her a little bit. I haven't watched NXT as much, but she seems to be uh, incredibly talented uh, as well. And and um, good pick. I'm going to go to NXT as well. I was actually planning to jump into NXT as well for this pick. Braun Breaker, the former two-time, I think, champion. Yes, two-time the guy champion. Who's, the guy who's felt like a blue chipper ever since he got into the company. He's been there for, what, two years, I think? And, and he's just always felt like a main event guy. I know he's doing a heel turn down there now, and I think it's um, it's a good direction for him. But Braun Breaker, another guy we get got to get some youth back on this roster. Another powerhouse type of guy going with Braun Breaker. Next pick four left back just just a reminder left back back to got to get into the men's tag team here i'm gonna go alpha academy which is another situation where one i've got a lot of meat a lot of beef out there Mm -hmm. with otis it works as a tag team it works as you split them apart as well they are former tag team champs they're great gimmick great stuff Alpha Academy, kind of getting them in the 15th round kind of feels like a steal, but it's just, it's, there's a lot to choose from here. Yeah, there are for sure. And I do have four picks left, which I'm going to build up, not to give too much away for you, but I'm going to build up the mid to low portion. And it's, it's tough to say this with some of the names who are still available, but again, we're only doing 18 picks plus the two people that were guaranteed on our roster, 20 people. I'm trying to build up the remainder of my men's singles division. So I'm going to go with two choices. One of these, you guys know I am as big a fan of his as anyone out there. My 15th pick, Santos Escobar. If I could take Legado del Fantasma, I would, but I can't. So I'm just taking Santos Escobar in the 15th round. And I'm coming back in the 16th round. He just returned to SmackDown. Love the presentation of the King of Strong style, Shinsuke Mm -hmm. Nakamura. So three picks remaining for you. Your 16th and 17th rounder next, and two for me. Good for the uh, multilingual broadcast team there uh, with your last couple of picks. I also sure. have Eosky and Asuka, so we do have a, mm-hmm. a heavy Japanese flavor on the SmackDown roster. You do. I was thinking about Santos, but then I saw this other guy who's just sitting right there with a lot of championships to his name, and mm-hmm. I was considering him as well, but you, you took Escobar, so I'll take him. Rey Mysterio, this dude is Royal Rumble winner, you know, world heavyweight champion in the past. Hall of Famer. Still can, Hall of Famer now, can still go with almost anybody, it feels like, miraculously. Uh, I'm expecting him to still be around for a few years in, in my company. So Rey Mysterio, uh, easy one, sell the masks to the kids. We needed some more high flyer type of guys. You definitely do not have that here outside of, I guess, Ricochet and maybe Kofi on my roster needed some of that. So Ray Mysterio provides some more athleticism. And so we got two picks left. I'm making one. One of them now. And then you get Mr. Or Ms. Irrelevant. This is, this is when it gets tough. This is when a lot of people are kind of around the same level. I kind of got to figure out who fits what I want to do. I'm, I'm choosing between two people here. They both bring the same thing. Okay. But I'm, going to go with the one who I think brings a lot more upside. That is Bronson Reed. Going back to the beef. Hey, yeah. he's a he's a he's a top rope t- 
turnbuckle type of guy too now. So the the beef on my roster, I'm we'll, well, we'll he has one. Our whole I mean, he has one top rope move. It's super impressive, but I wouldn't. Yes, well, I wouldn't necessarily put he, him in the category of a he's high the flyer. high flyer. Yeah. With with uh, Ricochet. Oh. All right, we're gonna go over a whole rosters at the end here, but the beef I have is flying off the shelves. Right yeah, now. I'm you, liking this. Yours is a lot of beef. Mine, I think, is a little bit more balanced, but we'll determine that at the end. And of course, listeners will get to vote and determine that as well. My final two picks in the 17th and 18th round. This is really tough, okay? Because there's a lot of options. I could go with like a tag team that fills out a group that I have. I could go with work rate guys who just could put other people over, NXT choices. I'm really in a tight spot. But I'm going to go with a couple picks that relate to one another. They could both work as singles in the upper mid card. One of them in particular in the main event. They also work as a tag team. I'm going to do it myself. They're going to do it themselves. DIY, 17th pick, Johnny Gargano. 18th pick, Tommaso Ciampa. I reunite them as DIY. That's why I bring them back to the WWE main roster on SmackDown. And then we see what happens from there. One, two years down the line, Johnny Gargano is in my Brian Danielson underdog role going after the world championship. Chris, those are my final two picks. You have Mr. or Ms. Irrelevant, the 18th and 36th overall pick for you. Who is it? Well, first, so so Gar- I was going to ask, so Gargano's the guy you see in your main event picture? Well, I mean, look, they're both great. I love Johnny Gargano. I love Tommaso Ciampa. I think they both could be main eventers. Both could be upper mid-carters. But Johnny Gargano has that, I'll say da- Daniel Bryan because it's WWE. He has that Daniel Bryan factor where if you build the right storyline around him, you can vault him into that spot. I don't know that he'll get Daniel Bryan level reactions. He can get really close to it, though, on the main roster. He has the charisma. He has the promo. He has the in-ring ability. You saw what he did in Elimination Chamber. Like, a couple months after joining the main roster, really nothing, you know, behind him to kind of get the crowd into him, and he got crazy reactions from that match. He can do that in singles competition. He can do it with Champa in tag team competition. They win the tag team titles. They eventually amicably split up. Gargano goes after the amicably. Big, yeah, amicably. Well, maybe not actually, because Gargano Champa yeah. long term maybe it does need to be a. Yeah, you're right. It's not amicably. They uh, Champa turns on Gargano. We run back the yeah. NXT storyline. Gargano goes after the main title. Champa goes after the Intercontinental title. I'm thrilled having both of them on SmackDown. Yeah, it's, I, I don't see main event for either of them, but you know, I'm surprised. I know he's just banged up, but Gargano has just not done much on the main roster. Been kind of waiting for it, and it just hasn't happened. Well, they were yet, waiting so. for WrestleMania to we'll end. Yeah, I mean. Well, it's been a month, so we'll he's see. injured. Right. He's he's out. He's a last, shoulder injury. Last pick. <laughs> I knew I, I I saved this one for the last pick, not because I, I don't like this pick, but because I knew you were not going to pick it. I I knew I could pull this. Okay. I knew I could hold this one for the end. It was not going to be picked. That is someone I am incredibly high on, and that is Piper Niven, who absolutely delivers almost every time she's in the ring. C- continues my theme of. I bring a lot of beef out there, but but a much needed powerhouse to the women's division. And why would I not pick her? I, I'm a huge fan of hers. I don't understand. Yeah, but like I, you've just I've been a big fan of her, and I just figured you know you, you didn't even know how to say her name three weeks ago. Her name is Dewdrop. <laughs> but I, I look, I've got Bianca. 
Her and Bianca tear the house down every single time they're together. They're going to run that. You're going to keep running the same match. Her, Bianca, and Becky. Same thing over and over again. A best of 35 series. And it's going to deliver. Okay. So that's my last pick. Viper Niven. Well, those are our 18 draft picks each, along with the women's champions and mid-card champions that we kept. We have 20 people on each of our rosters. Quickly, before we get into analyzing our rosters, I want to go over some of the names that were not drafted. Uh, Edge which is actually a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Uh, Bray yeah. Wyatt, which I would say is not that much of a surprise. Uh, Omos, Dolph Ziggler. That, that was o- Omos. That was the one I was considering between him and Bronson Reed. I forgot to say that was gotcha. the other big person I was considering. But Bronson Reed, I think, just has more upside. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, just from a work rate standpoint, you can plug him in anywhere. Uh, the Miz, Alexa Bliss, uh, the rest of Imperium, the rest of the Brawling Brutes, and the rest of Legato Del Fantasma, though I think it'd probably fair to set, you know, fair for us to do as like undrafted free agents. You have Sheamus, you get the Brutes, I have Gunther, I get Imperium, and yeah. then you know, Legato, I'd probably take him. Yeah, Santos. I, on that yeah, on that list, the Miz is the one I'm thinking maybe I should have pulled him in somewhere. But yeah, and, but we would have, but if we had two or three more rounds, all these people yeah. would have been drafted. I also want to note a couple NXT superstars that I had on my big board, but I didn't get a chance to draft just because of who else was available. Uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter, you guys know I love them as a women's tag team. It would be great to have them on my roster. I'll try to make a play for them as undrafted free agents. Isla Dragunov, given Gunther, mm. is on the roster uh, just to have another hard-hitting not, not a big meaty man, but he loves slapping meat. Dragunov would be great. And Grayson Waller in the same vein as Miz. You know, if you took yes. Miz and I got Waller, that would probably have two similar dudes uh, on both rosters. So I love Grayson Waller. Yeah. I th- I'm surprised he's still in NXT, obviously. Not for long. Just like he, he feels like a guy who can do kind of what LA Knight is sort of doing. And him and LA Knight had a thing in NXT. That's when LA Knight turned face kind of. So absolutely uh, that worked as well. But. Love Grayson Waller. So a quick recap of our rosters, just so that uh, everyone has the mindset of where we are going into the end of our WWE mock draft. Chris's roster is as follows. Bianca Belair and Austin Theory. He got those off the jump. Cody Rhodes, Becky Lynch, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, and Braun Strowman. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Charlotte Flair, Randy Orton, Sheamus, LA Knight, Solo Sokoa, Carmella, Chelsea Green, and Sonya Deville. Braun Breaker out of NXT. Alpha Academy, Rey Mysterio, Bronson Reed, and Piper Niven. And then I like it. the Silver King over on SmackDown. Rhea Ripley and Gunther got those automatically. Seth Rollins, The Usos, Bobby Lashley, Asuka, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai. Finn Balor, Big E, The Street Profits, Bailey, Matt Riddle, AJ Styles, Ronda Rousey, and Shayna Baszler, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio. Roxanne Perez out of NXT, Santos Escobar, Shinsuke Nakamura, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso champa and just like you love yours i love my roster as well final thoughts here before we kind of wrap up our wwe draft talk i like like my strategy we had very different you can tell by our our things and i'm sure adam will maybe put out on twitter or something what our team i will so you can so you can see it all in one spot to compare let us know by the way well no no, chris i'll go ahead and do that so uh i will post both of our drafts after the show is published you know probably you know, two or three hours after the show is published. I will post our rosters on Twitter at Getting Overcast, and there's a poll, and you guys can vote who won the WWE mock draft. Please go Ooh, ahead. I like that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, you can see a clear difference. I went for a lot of, like, big names, big people, former champions. You went a lot with the work rate mm-hmm. uh, type of people, which is uh, just kind of, I think, reflects both of our styles. I, I think, I like, I just look at, 
these people, all of these people, along with Roman Reigns, who we have, who we both have, can be in the main event that I've got. Cody, Brock, Drew, uh, Braun, maybe Xavier, Randy Orton, Sheamus, LA Knight, maybe Rey Mysterio. I just got a lot of guys I would love to see Roman Reigns go up against, some of, some of which he has. I've got tag teams that are can be split up, Braun and Ricochet, or together, Kofi and Xavier. Uh, you could put Drew and Sheamus together. You could put Cody and Randy Orton together. I think about a lot of versatility with big names. I think with the, the, I've got the type of names when you put the card out and you're in the local town. Hey, who, who's who's on the show? And you see some of these names. That's going to get people to come into the arena. I've got LA Knight and Cody Rhodes to talk him into the building. And I'm just really happy with, with what I've got. Yeah, I think you do have like some from especially the first couple rounds, the star power aspect of mm-hmm. it. You did focus on that for your first three rounds. I really went with a roster that's like a classic SmackDown roster where people get developed and they become big stars and main eventers because I actually, unlike you, who is relying on star power, I believe in my creative forces. And I wanted to focus on talent that is underserved and needs to be featured much higher. So on the Roman Reigns aspect, I love the fact that I have Gunther, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor, that's been done. Um, AJ Styles, I'd love to put against him. Shinsuke Nakamura. These are big matches that Roman Reigns either has not had or he's only had a little bit of a taste against them. I think my men's and women's tag team divisions are both exceptionally strong. And from a work rate perspective, if you told me there was a women's division with Rhea Ripley, Asuka, Io Sky, Dakota Kai, Bailey, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, and Roxanne Perez on it, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a better women's division you know, from a work rate entertainment mm-hmm. standpoint, anywhere. And they, they can mostly all cut promos too. A couple maybe can't, but we'll work on it. That's why the Silver King is here. And I'll probably pay Paul Heyman a couple bucks to join my uh, <laughs> my side as well to help with that. Um, so Chris, on the way out, I did want to do two things. One, I wanted to uh, read a DM that we got about the WWE draft. And then I wanted to share a little bit of information that we've learned that has already been shared with our getting overheads over on buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. They've been reading it for multiple days already. But first, the DM slide that we got from Tim Dubba at Tim Dubba 15. He said, I think a cool way to do the WWE draft would be to make it NXT focused because it is their feeder and it makes it like NFL and college football. SmackDown and Raw people moving is where the trades would come in, but the picks would all be younger NXT people. What do you think? Love the show. So I actually do really like this idea. The problem is they can't call up that many people each year from NXT because then you're depleting the NXT roster and overloading the main roster. So what I would probably do it more like if I had my druthers, Chris, would be like a professional expansion draft where both rosters, if they had, you know, GMs, let's say, there's a number of players, in this case, superstars, where they're not drafted, they're on my roster, they're not going anywhere. Everyone else goes into a talent pool and you can pick from there. And then you also have like a four round NXT draft that follows it. I think that's the way to kind yeah. of show that NXT is your feeder system, change the roster in a shakeup standpoint, but also keep some of those big names on the respective rosters, which is kind of like what we did. It's just that we kept ours to two, whereas in this scenario, it would probably be four or five. Yeah. The only thing is if if the teams are, you could, you could see a storyline like, hey, Raw and SmackDown each 
keep 10 people. And then so they're like all talking to Adam Pierce, whoever being like, I'm valuable enough to get protected, basically. The problem is you want big names to move around. And so you kind of have to figure out a storyline way of like, all right, why, hey, why is, uh, you know, why is, you know, why are the Usos not being protected? They should, the 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 GM should want to keep them or something like that. So that's always the issue when it's like, it's not sports, but it is sports. I think ultimately yeah. just saying everybody's on the table is probably the best case scenario uh, for the way they handle it. Um, for kayfabe's sake but mm -hmm. no it's it's not a bad idea the idea of drafting from from nxt you, it's something you could have seen them do you know in the mid 2010s or the late 2010s three rounds or something like that you could you know at that period where so many people were coming up it would have been an interesting way to do it but at, at the current setup no you probably don't have that many people who can come up yet the other thing that you could do is have the brands draft the nxt roster but keep them in NXT, almost like it's developmental. So yeah. when you have, like you can do an NXT, I mean, it used to be War Games. I forgot what they changed it to um, in terms of the name of the show, but like if their Survivor Series time of year, it could be raw contracted talent against SmackDown contracted talent, but within the NXT, you know, universe. Mm -hmm. So then you oh, have- like hockey. That's the, that's the way hockey does Hockey or baseball, or, you know, or, yeah. or even the NBA with the G League. So you at any time, if SmackDown- is doing a tag team championship tournament and they need, you know, eight teams, but they only have seven. I mean, hell, what tournament has ever been done in WWE? It's been eight people. It hasn't happened in a long time, but okay. They need four teams and they only have three. They go down to NXT and they pull up one of the SmackDown contracted teams from NXT. They bring them up to SmackDown. Maybe it's just for one week. Maybe they get over and they remain called up. I'd love to see something like that. That would make it really interesting. And it would allow them to still do the whole draft of NXT talent, but not have them immediately up on the main roster. I like that idea too. That's not a bad idea. Although you, again, every you, you wouldn't, you can't go too deep because you got to do it every year. And right. you know, you don't want to get, you don't want the whole roster. You could do, you could do like five or 10 people and just, that would be, you know, something for them to kind of puff their shoulders about I mean, in like, promos and stuff. Like, I was like the number Gables, one pick like for Gables, Raw, you know? Yeah. Like Gable Stevenson was part of the last draft. You know, and he's still not, <laughs> he's still not in WWE. So like that idea of like, not every, not an NXT only draft, but maybe two or three extra people that, that aren't getting called up. You can have them drafted just to, just as like a signifier to people like, Oh, Grayson Waller got drafted. Who is that guy? I should check out NXT. Exactly. See who he is. Yes. Yeah. I think Gable Stevenson's the worst draft pick in WWE history gotta be right <laughs> he made he one appearance and it wasn't he, in an official match yeah he, he's like he's like the guy who got drafted and then just you know stayed over in europe or got hurt or right or like a basketball pick. again yeah. it just he, yeah. it hasn't happened yet yeah it's unbelievable and now he's doing amateur wrestling again i mean it's a whole mess with him uh i do have a, a little bit of news i want to share again our uh getting overheads our members have already Read this for multiple days over on buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Once again, the link is in our Twitter bio at getting overcast. Um, and if you don't want any spoilers for the upcoming WWE draft, you can go ahead, check the episode description and just skip ahead to the next timestamp. It's going to be short. I'm only going to mention a couple of names who I've heard will be part of the WWE draft coming out of NXT. The most exciting of all of them, Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Uh, I've talked about it. So many times here how they should have been up a year ago. They're finally going to get their opportunity on the main roster, join the women's tag team division, and from what I understand, be pushed 
relatively heavy as a babyface underdog team. Uh, Cameron Grimes, he's been waiting for the opportunity to get called up. Uh, Grayson mm. Waller and Pretty Deadly, both of whom are competing on NXT Spring Breakin' this Tuesday. It's expected to be their respective last matches in NXT before they go ahead and get called up to the main roster. And those are the only ones I can confirm right now, but I do know a number of other names are in consideration for it. Uh, those are Tyler Bate, Roxanne Perez, Zoe Stark, Indy Hartwell, Apollo Crews, and Isla Dragunov. Not among the list, however, based on what I've been told, are Braun Breaker and Dijak. And I know people had been asking about them. So I just wanted to put all that out there, a little bit of information as we kind of wrap up the main event portion of today's show. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on some of those names I mentioned? Uh, just, they make sense. You know, Grayson Wall, like I said, a guy who, who should be up there right now. Indy Hartwell kind of feels like a, you know, now or never type of thing. Like, you know, she's, she's been in NXT for a long time now, kind of time to move her up. Um, Braun Breaker not happening is surprising. Uh, and then, yeah, just again, that stuff has been uh, available on the, the buy me a coffee for a little bit. So mm -hmm. if you want that information ahead of time, Make sure you subscribe to that. Yeah, and we're gonna you know keep as much on there as we can. We want to entice people, of course, to join us over on BuyMeACoffee.com/slash getting over. At the same time, we love all of you, of course, our listeners, and we want to provide that type of information on this podcast leading into the WWE draft itself. Chris, I know your time with us today was short. I appreciate you taking it and doing the WWE mock draft with us. Any parting words before I go ahead to the remainder of the show and break down everything that happened across SmackDown and Raw? Vote uh, A vote for me for the best roster is a vote for meat. So uh, keep, <laughs> keep, keep that in mind. Uh, I like how you're, I like how that. you're, I just want to kind of say one thing. I like how you're discounting that the literal author of this sound drop, <laughs> big meaty man slapping meat. <laughs> <laughs> is on my roster, as is Bobby Lashley, and I got some other big dudes, too. You should have drafted Goldberg. Then we could have really made it happen. Uh, I don't like being threatened with uh, you owe me a retirement match, so no, I did not choose Goldberg. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Now, obviously, there is still a ton of show left here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. I appreciate Vintage making the time to tackle that extended double main event today. Before we even get, though, to the good, the bad, and the ugly we have a few news items to cover, the biggest being that CM Punk was backstage at Raw for a brief period on Monday night. Now, obviously, WWE was in Chicago. They sold out the Allstate Arena, and Punk is from Chicago, as, of course, every single person who has ever been a wrestling fan is aware. But as the story is being told Tuesday, this was all a bit coincidental. Apparently, the story is that Punk did MMA commentary in Florida. He flew out of Tampa, where he happened to be alongside some WWE folks on the flight to Chicago. Whether he was ultimately invited to the arena or chose to stop by on his own accord, he wound up backstage in the visiting area. From there, he supposedly saw Triple H, asked if it was okay to be there, and wanted to speak with him for a couple of minutes. Paul asked Vince McMahon, who was not on site. During that time, Punk apparently buried the hatchet with The Miz, over telling him to, quote, suck a blood money covered dick, if you remember that was a couple of years ago. And he also got a pleasant reaction, apparently, from a bunch of other folks. Ultimately, Vince decided he could not stay, Punk understood, and security escorted him out. Now, there's a lot of suppositions coming out of this, not just from fans, but media as well. Some think this was a planned PR stunt by Punk and Tony Khan, with him not returning until June. I guess that's plausible. It doesn't really seem likely to do that in April. 
Others think Punk has seen what AEW is like and actually wants back in WWE, perhaps as a retirement match, Hall of Fame situation. I mean, maybe, but he's under contract to AEW, I think for a couple of years at least still. Plus, they're doing the AEW Collision Show basically for him. Uh, I mean, I'm sure AEW is going to get paid handsomely for it, but Punk is going to be the star of that show. Plus, Tony would do whatever it takes to ensure his favorite wrestler of all time didn't wind up in WWE. But I digress. If, and I repeat, if there was anything nefarious here beyond Punk literally just wanting to say hi to some old friends who were in town, I'd call it a power play by Punk just to show Khan that he has options. I do find it interesting that a certain outlet is trying to push a certain narrative here, the result of which would be Tony and AEW looking good in the end, but that can hardly be surprising based on what we know about the relationship. In the end, for me, it's much ado about nothing. Actually, it's one of two different stories from Monday that was much ado about nothing, as PW Insider reported before Raw that Vince McMahon was going to be making major changes to the show before it started. And this was... I mean, simply not true. I'm not saying there were no tweaks made to the show, but there were absolutely not major creative changes because I saw a rundown from hours earlier that was almost identical to what actually happened on the show. The only material difference that I noticed was the Street Profits match being on the show and not being on the rundown. And Piper Niven and Candice LeRae were supposed to somehow be involved in the Trish Stratus segment, but that didn't happen. It was just a Trish promo. I don't even know that those were Vince changes, but if they were, they were minor changes. There's also people still like waiting with bated breath every week to find out whether he's at TV. Folks, before Vince resigned and retired in the years prior to that, there were many weeks he was not at TV at all. He even missed some pay-per-views. The billionaire owner of a multi-billion dollar business is able to work remote in 2023. Trust me. So whether he's there or not does not determine the week's creative. Yes, him being in attendance, he'd be more likely to get his hands deep into something. Sure. And there's also the talent morale issue to consider where if he's in the arena. But from what we're told consistently, Triple H is legitimately the head of creative for WWE. Vince does oversee him. But outside of the Raw after WrestleMania, his interference has been extremely minimal. And one more quick news item. WWE has signed a deal with Twitch that will allow its superstars to jump back onto the platform. You'll remember WWE banned wrestlers from all third-party deals like this, which was one contributing factor, not the main reason, not even a primary reason, but a contributing factor that led Adam Cole and Paige to ultimately go to AEW. It also led Zelina Vega to get initially get fired before she was rehired by WWE. But not only now can WWE superstars return to Twitch and keep all of the money they generate for themselves, WWE apparently negotiated for them a larger share of revenue compared to other general content creators. On top of that, WWE is going to be getting a cut of revenue, but their cut is coming from Twitch's portion rather than the wrestlers themselves. If you want to talk about a best of both world scenario, WWE somehow found a way to make the talent happy while simultaneously making money off of them and not have it affect the talent's bottom line. This is one of the most talent-friendly deals and moves that WWE has made 
in a long time. So kudos to them and congrats to all the wrestlers who love to play video games or do whatever else they do on Twitch and now get to benefit from it. Now, the main event is done. We're out of this WWE news and notes section. That means there's one thing left to do. Move into our other big segment this week. That is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm sorry, Miss Rosie Perez. I call a spade a spade. It just is what it is. But you can't give credit to anything dude says. Same dude to give you ice and you own some... Jordan. It's time to wake up the dead. You sound a little naive in them articles that I read. All right, I'd love to let that run, but folks, we have a jam-packed edition of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and this show is already off the rails going super long. Look, SmackDown and Raw for me this week were starkly different shows. There were only seven total segments on SmackDown. Five of them were matches. No Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, no Paul Heyman, no Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio, obviously no Roman Reigns. This was the definition of a filler episode, way more than last week. Still largely entertaining, nevertheless, one of those episodes where Almost nothing actually developed, and you were left Friday night wanting more. Raw was the opposite on Monday. Four backlash matches were developed, two announced on SmackDown, but still the storylines developed on Monday. We got Bad Bunny, the huge title announcement, a really intriguing bloodline story. Raw was just far better than SmackDown by direct comparison. So with that, let's get into the largest good, bad, and ugly we have ever done here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Cody Rhodes opened Raw to what commentary correctly called a deafening pop. He talked about it being ironic that Brock Lesnar is the most decorated combat sports athlete of all time, yet still decided to blindside him. Then Cody removed his suit jacket and dress shirt. He threw the shirt and tie into the crowd to reveal a scar from his pectoral surgery. Rhodes put over Seth Rollins for Hell in a Cell and dared Lesnar to scar him anywhere he wants to because the fans will elevate him at Backlash just like they did against Rollins in Chicago. Finn Balor interrupted, saying they all have scars before admitting that Cody did get screwed at WrestleMania because no one had his back. It's actually not true. Sammy and KO did have his back, but I digress. Balor said he didn't blame Rhodes for looking to Lesnar for help the Monday after WrestleMania, but he can't beat Lesnar alone, and everyone knows that Cody joining Judgment Day would make them unstoppable. Cody did some good crowd work and offered a hand to Balor despite declining. Finn obviously took that as disrespect and threatened to slap the bleach out of his hair. Really good line. So Cody revealed he was cleared and he just challenged him to a fight. Now, the rules of this segment are to judge what we get on TV. And for that, this was good. The crowd was electric for Cody. Finn was solid on the mic, setting up a logical TV match, albeit one that's a bit repetitive. My issue continues to be the fact that there is still zero reason that has been provided for Lesnar's attack. And at this point, with only one Raw left until Backlash, it is clear we're just not going to get one. And that is massively disappointing from a storytelling standpoint. Not to mention, it's surprising given apparently this angle was planned and it wasn't purely like a Vince McMahon call on the Raw after WrestleMania. How can we be a month into this with no explanation? It is legitimately and immensely frustrating. This is bullshit, man. Uh, So we got Rhodes and Balor back and forth early. Cody hit a disaster kick. Finn countered Cody Cutter into a sling blade. Cody soon hit the cutter, but ate a shotgun dropkick. He avoided the coup de grace, hit a pedigree, plus crossroads for the win. Cody then celebrated in the crowd. He even stood on a chair. It was a bit formulaic, but it was good work across the board. Cody has a match of backlash. Finn does not. So obviously Rhodes was going to win. I did like it being squeaky clean. I saw people complaining that Balor has become a jobber to the star as well. 
This is what happens when you do clean finishes. People have to lose. Yes, he should be getting some wins in between. But WWE doesn't really do filler matches to that degree to build up heels like other companies might. Now, hopefully, better is ahead for Balor on the other side of the draft. But right now, he's caught in a position where he's trying to work, you know, the bloodline, Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar type of thing while simultaneously being in the Ray and Dominic Mysterio um, type of storyline with Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. And in neither case is he the featured guy, so he's not going to be the one winning. He did have a couple of victories a few weeks ago. So, I mean, I just don't understand, like, the major concern about Balor. Triple H has the book. He likes Balor. Finn's going to be okay, I promise you. Matt Riddle fought Solo Sokoa in a no disqualification match on SmackDown. Riddle backstage said he'd bury Sokoa under a table. The Usos cut a really strange promo before this where Jimmy did a surfer dude accent and Jay said they'd bring the titles back for the Tribal Chief next week. They did an extended introduction for Sokoa. And Riddle attacked him from behind at the bell. It started with a ton of kendo stick and chair shots. Riddle hit a pump knee with a chair and exploder suplex throwing Sokoa into a couple other chairs that were upright. After getting tossed over the announce table, Riddle put his feet on it to prevent a tip over. He caught Solo with a knee, dumped a table on him. The Usos attacked out of the crowd with it no DQ, so they were allowed to do that. Riddle took care of them with a springboard floating bro outside, and then Sokoa overturned the table. He caught Riddle running with a Uranagi onto the apron. Riddle ducked the Samoan spike only for Sokoa to catch him running with it for the one, two, three. And then after the bell, the Usos hit 1D on Riddle through a table. And I got to say, this match was hard hitting as hell. Like these guys were about that life. Riddle being booked for a no DQ match against a faction when his partners aren't in attendance. I mean, that just does not make a shred of effing sense from a logic standpoint. And not to have a bloodline centric show long story only to do this rematch anyway as the featured bout it just made it feel even more unnecessary. The wrestling was top-notch, and I'm giving it a good for that reason. The main event was super entertaining, and it, and it was a good match. 3-5, maybe 3-7-5. But I was left wanting something that made more sense. So just really disappointing stuff from SmackDown, and this being the main event was one of the reasons why. Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar fought Finn Balor and Damian Priest on SmackDown. The action was hot from the bell. Ray went on a run against Balor. Priest tagged in blind and prevented the 619. Then Ray came back and hit the 619 on Balor with Escobar adding the splash. But Balor was not the legal man, and Priest caught Escobar with South of Heaven for the win. After the bell, Priest grabbed the mic and said he hoped Bad Bunny's upcoming appearance on Raw went better than the last time. Obviously, Escobar was the right person to take the fall. He's not in the backlash match, but it does personally hurt to see him and really the LWO on the wrong side of every single decision because he and they have actually been getting over with the crowd and they have a good amount of momentum right now. But this was a fun match to open SmackDown. We got the right winners given the baby faces are going to be favored at Backlash. So it was good. By the way, the weirdest part of this was actually that Escobar was wearing the Puerto Rico version of the LWO shirt rather than the Mexican version. And they also had a graphic at some point during the show of Zelina Vega, who is Puerto Rican, wearing the Mexican version of the LWO shirt instead of the Puerto Rico version. And I'm just, I'm like, why? The whole point of this is to promote both of them, but wouldn't the Mexican guy want to wear the Mexican flag and the Puerto Rico women, woman want to wear the Puerto Rican flag? I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Now, shifting over to Raw, LWO fought the bloodline, and it needs to be said here, Legado del Fantasma lost both their incredible 
entrance music, and their name. They are now fully going by LWO, zero mention of Legato del Fantasma. And while the replacement theme actually sounded good, it used Viva La Raza from Eddie Guerrero to kind of kick it off, the original theme was iconic for them. But if they're losing the Legato del Fantasma name, changing the theme is fine because it doesn't play the same from like a fan chant perspective. The whole Legato, like that whole deal that they had in NXT is what helped make the theme so great. So if they're not gonna be Legato del Fantasma, then keeping the theme not nearly as important. Anyway, LWO got big face pops with Topes. Santos Escobar got a great hot tag with an awesome chest extended flying crossbody. Cruz del Toro came back with a perfect Phoenix splash on Jimmy for a broken fall. Sokoa caught wild with a Uranagi on the apron. Distractions then let Sokoa catch del Toro flying with a Samoan spike, and the Usos hit 1D for the win. After the bell, Jimmy said the Usos had one bad night at WrestleMania. They were ready to recapture the tag team titles in a victory they would dedicate to Roman Reigns. Even with the Bloodline winning, as one would expect, this was another great featured spot for LWO. The crowd was hot as hell for them bell to bell. And thankfully, someone other than Escobar took the fall for a change. So a damn good spot for LWO despite the L, and obviously a good segment overall. I see people complaining about LWO losing every week, just like with Balor. That's their role right now. It's not ideal, but you can't have LWO beating Judgment Day or the Bloodline. It's not like they're losing to Baron Corbin or something like that. They're losing to the top two factions in WWE right now. The Usos continuing to dedicate the rematch to Roman. That does up that concern level of a title change is coming Friday. But let's hold off on worrying too much about that until SmackDown, especially based on the storytelling we got Monday. So let's get to that. Jay bumped into Sami Zayn backstage. Sammy thought dedicating the match to Roman was absurd because the Usos should be doing it for themselves. Zayn said they aren't losing the titles, but when Jay does lose the match, now he's put Reigns' name on it, and that could be dangerous for them. Jay didn't believe Sammy's concern, saying he made his choice and, quote, like it or not, I made my choice too. Later backstage, Jimmy was bragging about their continued success, with Jay sitting in a chair, depressed, kind of in his own head, wondering what would happen if they lose, basically exactly what Sammy told him. Jimmy was infuriated that Jay even spoke with Sammy until Solo calmed him down. Jimmy told him not to talk to Sammy and stay focused. Jay went back to the whole what-if scenario, but Jimmy tried to snap him out of it before walking away. Jimmy later confronted Sammy about playing mind games, and he suggested that Kevin Owens was using him and would turn on Zayn immediately when they lose the titles. The message was worry about your own brother. Even later backstage, Riddle was talking Owens' ear off about the annexation of Puerto Rico from Little Giants as a strategy for their match when Zayn walked in saying he had been talking to the Usos. KO was absolutely incensed at him. He said it's too late for them. Sammy needs to be concerned about their team. Riddle told Sammy he knows what he's going through because of RK Bro, assuring him that everything would be fine in the end. Now, these segments were fire. Good build to the rematch, along with plenty of storyline continuation. You can argue they were the best storyline building segments across all five hours of WWE television this week. You rub me just right every week. This did rub me the right way. This is such good shit. Now, it does create some intriguing scenarios, whether the titles change or not. If they don't, obviously Reigns is going to be furious with the Usos when he returns to SmackDown. 
if they do change, there's clear animosity that could theoretically return between Sammy and Kevin. Not that any of us want that again. They just made friends. We like them as brothers and teammates and champions. We don't want a rehash of the Sammy and Kevin feud, at least not right now. Not saying they can never go back to it, but right now it feels inappropriate. The animosity could also be an explanation for them dropping the titles ahead of the Saudi Arabia trip, but then coming back together again to win them. It's a completely unpredictable scenario because we just have no idea what Sammy and KO are going to do about Blood Money in the Sand. As we said last week, this is a situation where WWE ideally would not change the titles. But if they do, you got to understand the decision given the shitty circumstances. But let's all hope this is a complete swerve and they retain Friday on SmackDown. Another option is that both teams earlier on SmackDown, because I have to believe this is the main event match, both teams early on SmackDown get drafted to separate brands. Then in the main event, they do some type of double pinfall situation, and it's ultimately decided by Adam Pierce that the titles need to get split. That would be really rough booking, and it would get a lot of criticism, but the tag team titles do need to get split, especially now that they're introducing a new world heavyweight championship, and that's at least one method of accomplishing it. A bonus shout out to Riddle before I move on for the Little Giants reference that definitely popped me. Uh, Damian Priest backstage candidly thought it was awesome that Bad Bunny was at Raw to promote Backlash, but he said he only had success in WWE when Priest had his back. Damian said he's not shy about being a bad guy, but since he doesn't go to Coachella and interfere in Bunny's business, he should stay away from his business in WWE. This may have been like the single most naturally spoken promo from Priest since Judgment Day started. Really nice storytelling by him, and I'm giving this a little bonus good before we get to the rest. Ray and Priest fought each other. This was the main event of Raw with teases all night that Bunny was on his way to the arena. Priest got set up for the 619, but recovered to boot Ray in the face as he was running. Then he caught a springboard moonsault cold, countering it into a flatliner. Damien went for a chair. They battled over it. Ray countered a chokeslam attempt into a Harakarana in 619. As he went to finish him, Priest threw the chair at Ray's head for the disqualification and then hit south of heaven. Bunny then entered with a kendo stick as Priest stood his ground in the ring. Bunny got two shots inside, then chopped Priest's leg out with one uh, chop of the uh, kendo stick on the announce table. He chased him into the crowd with the stick, then grabbed the mic, jumped on the table, and said he's no longer the host of Backlash. He's there to kick Priest's ass in a street fight. And I believe, based on what I heard, it's going to be called a San Juan street fight. This was good overall. Got a nice reaction. And the match was actually... Super strong up until the disqualification. The promo from Bunny was awesome. I did not know. I mean, he's an artist. He's used to being in the public and having a mic, sure. But I didn't know he was going to cut a wrestling promo like that. It was awesome. In this case, the DQ in the match, we don't really like him. It happened for a reason. They didn't want Priest to take an L before Backlash. And neither Ray nor Dominic are going to be competing on the show. It appears Dom has some kind of injury and could not get cleared. Last I heard, it was a concussion. So they changed the match from a tag team match to a one-on-one. You can't have Ray beat Priest. You really don't want Priest to beat Ray. So they went with a DQ. It would have been nice on TV to get an explanation of why Dom could not come out to the ring, whether for the match or for the save. But aside from that, they did the best they could given the circumstances. We will talk more about the Backlash match next week on our WWE Backlash Ultimate Preview. Trish Stratus backstage said Becky Lynch isn't doing well, and there's been too much pressure on her being the top of the women's division while a mom and more. Trish said, hey, 
I have those same responsibilities and I'm thriving while Becky is struggling, which is why I took her out of her misery. It does seem Lynch is not cleared and the backlash match has been pushed back. It's the second week in a row that I thought Trish straight up nailed a talking segment. So I'm giving her a good, I don't know when this match is going to take place. It kind of feels like it might be night of champions at this point. I don't know if they can hold it past then, but you know, we'll see Trish credit to her for showing up on raw each week and continuing the story with Becky not there. The women's tag team championship was defended on SmackDown. Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez against Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. In gorilla position, Raquel had to calm down Liv, who was hyped to retain their titles. The heels cut a relatively shit promo before the bell. It ended with Liv getting squirted with water by Chelsea again. Morgan hit a shotgun dropkick at the bell. Later, Green took her off the middle rope with an avalanche Russian leg sweep. The heels had a tandem delayed vertical suplex, then tried it later with Liv countering into a double inverted DDT. Rodriguez at the followaway slam and corkscrew elbow on Green, then superplexed DeVille. Liv caught Chelsea with a missile dropkick, and the faces strangely sold being just as hurt as the heels were after that, despite doing all of the offense. Liv eventually poured water on Chelsea, hit a sunset flip powerbomb over the ropes, and got leverage from Raquel for the 1-2-3. Now, both teams had matching gear, which I know is minor, but it made them feel like real partners. The heels also had a decent amount of tandem offense for a new team, and the wrestling was actually quite strong from bell to bell which made the six-minute runtime a shame because I could have seen plenty more of this match. My other problem was you had fresh babyface champions cheating to win in their first title defense against a new team they should have been able to beat squeaky clean. Now, sure, that was probably a storyline finish, so DeVille and Green can complain and perhaps even get a rematch or whatever. But again, this was the new champion's first defense, not what I would have booked. It's surely not the end of the world. I'm giving it a good overall because... For the six minutes we got, the action was strong and the champions looked good, but the ceiling for this was far higher than what was ultimately delivered. And again, on a SmackDown that had seven segments, five of which were matches, to not give them 10 to 12 minutes for a women's tag team championship match was just ridiculous. Uh, Fun or sad note, depending how you want to take it, Raquel is now a three-time women's tag team champion in WWE, but this is the first time she actually defended the titles successfully. So that is a milestone for her. Bianca Belair on Raw was backstage saying she was ready for Io Sky, who was announced as her backlash challenger earlier Monday. Damage Control walked up with Bailey talking shit and putting Io over. Sky cut her off to trash talk in Japanese, and Dakota Kai translated, saying Io wanted to fight right then and there on Monday. Bailey butted in, saying all three of them wanted to fight her, which Bianca accepted, even though Io was totally focused on Belair one and one, and actually gave Bailey a side eye when she said that. So then we had Belair, Morgan, and Rodriguez against Damage Control. Liv did a double senton coming off Raquel's shoulders. Liv had a really nice run also. Raquel got the hot tag with her signature sequence. Rodriguez powerbombed Morgan outside into Bailey. Io caught Raquel with a springboard dropkick. Sky escaped the KOD only to get run into a post by Belair. Bailey then got caught running inside with the KOD as the babyfaces got the W. Match was a blast. It took the crowd a little to get into it, but they were on an absolute fire for the final couple minutes. Io got to show out and Bailey took the L, which continues the friction with the trio and Bailey being on the wrong side of another match. Good stuff here, both from the backstage segment to the match itself. I just hope next Monday on Raw, Io can get a clean one-on-one win over someone, maybe a Candice LeRae, that would make sense. Just to kind of push her a little bit forward into a true number one contender role, even though she already has it, let's legitimize her a little bit more. Zelina Vega approached Adam Pierce backstage on SmackDown, 
wanting to challenge Rhea Ripley for her women's title at Backlash. She said, as the only female Puerto Rican on the roster, she has to represent and prove herself. Pierce said he'd look into it as Vega picked up a chancleta and kind of teased it. Now, before Friday's main event, there was a match card announced and the match was official all of a sudden. This is the right booking for Ripley's first challenger. We've talked about it because she can throw Vega around and it's the right booking for Backlash given the Puerto Rico element. But given it's been obvious for weeks that the storyline was headed in this direction, Triple H should have spent some time getting Zelina wins and legitimizing her, such as last week when there wasn't even a women's match on the show. I'm not giving it a grade because it was just a quick backstage segment. I just wanted to say it's odd that they didn't build Vega more before actually announcing the title match. On SmackDown, the Intercontinental Championship was on the line, Gunther defending against Xavier Woods. Michael Cole did state before the bell this was Woods' first chance at the title, but he said nothing about his 13 straight singles match victories and how he was particularly deserving of it, which was disappointing. Gunther chopped the soul out of Woods' chest on a couple of occasions. Woods hit a couple topes only to get chopped off the ropes. He went back for a flying leg drop to a big pop and a near fall. Xavier countered the powerbomb into a tilting face buster, following with the crucifix bomb. After a failed fall, Gunther just overwhelmed Woods, putting him in a rear naked choke for the knockout victory. The finish came so sudden here that it was shocking, but that's exactly how Gunther should win matches. He sold his ass off for Woods. Xavier looked as legitimate a singles competitor as ever here. With more time, this would have hit a fourth gear and easily moved into my excellent range, but it was extremely entertaining for a one-week build to a title match. 3.75 stars B+. And yes, this was a... Banger. It was also good. Uh, It was randomly announced Friday that Austin Theory would defend his United States Championship against both Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed at Backlash on Monday. Reed in a suit wearing product glasses got another video package saying no one in WWE can compete with his strength, speed, and power. There was no Mr. Nice Guy moniker this time, but the package was just as successful as last week. Theory later came out bragging about his United States title reign while also wanting the new World Heavyweight Championship. Lashley came out basically calling him a lazy, scared coward. Lashley admitted to requesting the triple threat with Theory snapping back that Lashley apparently isn't that good at requesting matches because he wasn't able to get one at WrestleMania. The crowd audibly got after him on that, and it pissed Lashley off. Theory took a swing. Lashley quickly got up on him. Reed showed up and started battling Lashley for a two-on-one heel double team. Theory held Lashley against the post as Reed squashed him into it. Back in the ring, Theory hit A-Town down on Lashley, but while he was celebrating, Reed squashed him with a senton and hit a tsunami to a loud crowd reaction. They popped for this. The match booking made sense coming out of last week's Raw. It was just a bit odd how it was announced as a surprise on SmackDown. Following that up with this segment on Monday, though, that worked. The promos weren't the most exciting, but Theory did a really good job working the crowd. He got that single line in about Lashley. You can tell his heel heat is real because Reed, who is also a heel, got babyface cheers for attacking him. So not only was this good. That was a good one, yeah. But I have to give Theory a little bit of credit too because it looked like he manicured his beard and was much more trimmed and not as Wyatt family style. So the beard was a positive. He gets a thumbs up there. The segment was good and Theory was solid on the mic as well. Seth Rollins entered an hour three of Raw to discuss the match with Omos which was even more random when it was announced on Friday. In case you don't know, Seth Rollins is fighting Omos at Backlash. Why? No reason whatsoever. Uh, Rollins said that he was planning to speak about it in that segment until something bigger caught his eye, of course, referencing the World Heavyweight Championship. 
Fans immediately chanted, you deserve it. He said Triple H happened to earlier run down all the names Reigns has defeated, but his name wasn't on that list because Roman didn't beat him, which is true. And some in WWE still actually want to fight, which is an opportunity the World Heavyweight Championship provides. He said it's about more than politics and part-timers, and he wanted to be that guy. Omos interrupted with MVP, who said he shared immense respect for Rollins. He explained he's the one who got the match made because it's his job to put Omos in marquee situations. Rollins put Omos over as once in a generation because he's born that way, but he said, I'm once in a generation because I made myself that way. Rollins promised to make Omos famous, give him the match of his life, and then stomp him into the canvas. Then he shoved past both of them and out of the ring. And I will say here, for a match that again came out of nowhere, we got an impressively simple yet strong build in a single segment of Raw. MVP using his power to get the match made was sensible storytelling because he has a marquee product in Omos and Rollins being more focused on the title yet still garnering huge babyface reactions showed he continues to operate at a top tier level. There is definitely a concern that Omos beats Rollins here. Mostly due to the size difference, it makes such a result believable. But given the short turnaround to the World Heavyweight Championship tournament or whatever they're going to end up doing, this should serve as a way for Rollins to get a big win and jolt himself up on a pedestal. Despite having this match booked out of nowhere, I'm going to give this a good as well. Ricochet and Braun Strowman fought the Viking Raiders. Ricochet hit a handspring tope before commercial. Braun later actually hit a shotgun dropkick on Eric before doing the train thing. Valhalla distracted late, opening Strowman to take three knee strikes from Ivar and a huge splash for a late kickout. There was a big botch where Braun tagged Rick and then threw him into the ring only to completely miss the Raiders. Ricochet ended up going wild on a hot tag. He had a swanton bomb off of Braun's shoulders for the win. There's really no denying how hot they are as a team, both from an in-ring standpoint as well as a crowd reaction. They're over separately, they're over together, and the finisher is superb. This is one of those odd couple tag teams that just works, and it's a great usage of both guys while the main event and mid-card divisions are otherwise full. This was an easy good. The Street Profits fought Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin on Raw. This was basically a squash for the Profits, which ate a bit of offense early, but quickly rallied with their finishing sequence, and they concluded with the frog splash for the victory. Corey Graves tried to hammer home that they could get split in the draft. He did the same thing in 2021, uh, and he kept saying, this might be the last time you see these guys together. It felt too heavy-handed. It was also unnecessary. There simply wasn't enough here for me to say this was anything other than bad. But obviously, there was nothing like particularly wrong with it. If you're not going to give a match between legitimate competitors seven to 10 minutes, just do a backstage segment. There was no reason for this to be on television whatsoever. Block at zero! Shinsuke Nakamura got a King of Strong style vignette with a voiceover explaining how he's mastered the art of striking and submissions. Karrion Cross then got a promo video with Scarlett in front of a green screen where he talked about destroying Shinsuke's identity and honor like he did Drew McIntyre's temperament, Riddick Moss's joy, yes, he said Riddick, and Rey Mysterio's patience. Cross's promo was strong. The green screen for me was so distracting that it really hurt the quality. The Nakamura vignette was probably his best presentation in years. Overall, it was good. And lastly here on Raw, Rick Boogs was worried about the WWE draft while talking with Elias. So Elias called Chad Gable over to kind of explain the basics of the draft while Boogs worked out to calm his brain. Gable explained the draft. He expressed how important it is to be drafted alongside your teammate. Otis was excited to stay with Chad, but Maxine Dupree entered the picture 
saying she ensured that she would follow Otis wherever he goes. They started arguing as Mustafa Ali entered the picture, saying Gable could reach his full potential without Otis, or that could expose him and he could look like a loser. So that led to a match, Gable Ali. This was a sprint right at the bell. Gable hit a dragon suplex. Ali answered with a tornado DDT. Gable ducked the 540, but Ali countered chaos theory into a rolling pinning combination for the win in two minutes. It seems like this is a tear down to build up situation for Gable. And Ali did get a win in his hometown of Chicago, which never happens for him. But really, two minutes, even for a sudden finish, two minutes when these guys could have torn the house down in Chicago, two minutes, I have to say bad. I wouldn't be doing them a service. I wouldn't be doing you a service. I don't understand. Again, I just said this earlier. If you're going to put a match on television, give it enough time to get over. And even if you want to do the sudden finish with a roll up or a pinning combination, in this case, a rolling pinning combination, that's fine, but at least allow them to show out a little bit before you do that finish. I hate this. I hate this crap. Stop. Stop with the crap. I'll never not be annoyed by stuff like that. Well, folks, look, this was an absolutely loaded show. I know at this point we normally move to the last word, but Chris isn't here, the Silver King solo. And on top of that, this thing has gone on quite long. So let's wrap up everything here at the Getting Over Wrestling podcast and give you some reminders on the way out. First, most importantly, from a scheduling standpoint, we're going to be back Thursday with your AEW and NXT show. But one week from now, same bat time, same bat channel will be your WWE Backlash Ultimate Preview. Also, your full recap of the WWE Draft all next Tuesday right here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. On that note, please remember the number that I happen to love. I happen to love the number five. Join us over at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Become an official getting overhead with a membership. You get exclusive audio, the fastest five minutes in professional wrestling every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday after the major shows. You will get a special five-minute audio right there along with news posts where we break news and also dive into subjects a bit deeper given the long-form capacity of the written word. Again, you get all of it, $5 a month by becoming an official Getting Overhead at buymeacoffee.com slash gettingover. The link also available in our bio on Twitter at gettingovercast, which you should follow for news analysis, updates, highlights, and episode drops, once again, at gettingovercast on Twitter. And finally, please remember that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast it's all about Defy. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Drop those five-star ratings on Apple. Leave a five-star written review. As you heard earlier, you leave that review. We will read it live right here on the show. Thank you all so much for listening to this extended edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. A lot going on in the world of professional wrestling. We'll be back Thursday and then again next Tuesday as we kick off the WWE Backlash Week. At this point, the Silver King, it is time for him to sign off and leave you with just three final words. Bye for now.